Today we have, uh, we have a special guest that is going to be speaking, and uh, I want to introduce it in this way, and I've got to get, go quickly so that we can get them the microphone, but uh, a number of months ago now, and I know we got good-looking ushers here, but I want you to hear this, okay? Uh, a number of months ago now, we felt like God gave our church, uh, the, our church leadership a very clear vision for the future of our church. It was three things. Um, one of those things, and this is not about that today, so I'm not going to talk too much about that, but one of those things was, was that we felt like God was going to call, and that call is the word we're going to use, and that we were going to send people from our church family uh, out to do ministry around the world. And we felt like God was going to send 50 people over the next few years from our church family to do different things and to be, okay, and all of that. And it's something that we are passionate about. We have put something together in place that we call a map. It is a ministry action plan. And we have a number of different people who are going through a process of, of God, what are you asking me to do? It's a beautiful thing. Uh, we also, we are passionate about the world, we, we, we talk a lot about the global, local, and the future generation kind of being the three things in, that our church family hinges on when it comes to ministry. And global's a big deal that we felt like a good number of the 50 were going to not just be pastors or different things locally, but that they were going to be sent around the world as missionaries. Uh, in the process of that, one thing led to another. The month of March came, which was this globally focused month and in, right in the middle of that, we had a couple from our church that felt God move in them in a very supernatural way. And since that point in March, they have been on a, a track to become missionaries around the world. And uh, I'm going to let them tell the story a little bit in what's going on. Uh, but they are, going, they are here with us. Let me give you a, a one-minute uh, explanation of what it what it takes to become a missionary and what that process looks like. And so God moves in a person and says, I'm, I'm asking you to do this. Uh, at that point, there is educational requirements. There's applications that have to be in. There is um, interviews that you have to go through. There's training that you have to be a part of. Uh, you are going down to Springfield, Missouri, which is kind of the center of, uh, for, of what's AGWM, Assembly of God World Missions, and you're spending time down there, and all of that is the process of figuring out where are you going to go, what is this going to look like, mentors are put in place, things are, a budget is created, and, and all of that, and then finally you are approved and ready, and at that point then, you begin to take a 12 to 18 month process of traveling around to different churches and different places, raising financial support in order for you to be able to do that. And there is a monthly budget that is put in place where people or churches like ours are sending money to a specific thing every month to fund a missionary. Specifically, there's also a cash budget that has to be raised to purchase plane tickets and all that type of stuff. And so um, our friends from our church family here um, have been through that entire process and are now starting to travel around to different churches. And they are back with us today. That's all I'm going to say. And so put your hands together, and I'm going to even have you stand with me to just celebrate this moment. Jim and Kelly, come on up here, guys. 
Thank you, Pastor Kyle. Awesome. Thanks for not knowing what you're doing this morning because now I feel so much better. (laughs) It is good to be home. Let Uh, me tell you, uh, we have missed while we've been away and traveling, and it's always good to be back home and for the opportunity to be able to share with you this morning. Uh, Kelly and myself and our son Aaron are so excited that God has called us to go love and serve a people in central Eurasia. Yes, amen. Um, as, as we go and we're preparing now, we're going to be part of a missional group called Live Dead Silk Road. And as we're there, we will be going for, to start a two-year term where we will go, we will learn the language, we will immerse our whole family in their culture. We're not bringing America to them. We are immersing into their culture over there to learn about them. And as we're there, we're going to be uh, spending time abiding in Jesus. We'll be immersing ourselves in the word of God, praying. We'll be going out and evangelizing, discipling people who come to know Jesus. And then we'll be helping plant churches among the unreached people groups in that area. And so a question that we get a lot of time is, how did you get here to this point? And right now, I just want to pause, and I want to say to anybody here or online that is going through a difficult time, this journey has had its fair share of difficult times. But I want to encourage you to press into God, to allow him to do what only he can do, to allow him to walk you through it. Because on the other side, he does amazing things. So don't give up. Don't lose hope. We relate to that. And so I just wanted to encourage you in that this morning. So, amen. Uh, We, like many of you, were broken, messed up people. Jim grew up in the church, but after college, got married and fell away. I did not grow up in the church. I grew up in a very dysfunctional, crazy home. And just about anything that you could think of that is ugly, I probably experienced in my life. We ended up with both having failed marriages. So we are both divorced. We were both bankrupt due to those failed marriages. But somehow God saw fit to put us together. And I share this with people. God knew I needed to experience the unconditional love from a man, which Jim so freely gives me before I could understand his love. So in February, after we got married, in February of 2001, we decided after a very awful situation that we needed to be in church. And that very first Sunday, I gave my life to Christ. He called my name, and I said yes. And the very next Sunday, Jim gave his life to Christ. And so we started this journey. In April of that same year, we were baptized. And I share this because we were baptized together. Hand in hand, we went down, and hand in hand, we came up. And we have learned um, through this process the significance of that. Because not only when we were baptized did we die to ourselves and arise to live for Christ as new creations, but we were unified In him through that moment. In everything we would do. In everything. And so just a different process. process. We come to May of 2004. I've quit my job. I'm a stay-at-home mom. Jim comes home and says, I'm going to lose my job. I said, okay. 
Let's go pray. Let's pray. So we're going to go off to a Christian bed and breakfast. We're going to pray and seek God. The Sunday before we go, a pastor in our church in Florida comes up and says, hey, God's saying to me that you are going to be global workers, that you're going to go. And we said, okay. She says, go and pray. We said, great, we're going to go and do that anyway. Yep. But in our minds, we're like, we have not been I hearing that. I did not that. hear that. No, I'm thinking Africa, jungle. Nope. <laughs> That's not for me. I'm new to People this whole to thing. Africa. That's right. And so we did. We prayed. And we didn't hear anything. However, in that time frame, we did say, God, here are we, a man and woman of unclean lips, broken. Send us. We'll go wherever you'll send us. And so... He did send us. Five, years, uh, five months later, he sent us here to Minnesota. to Minnesota. And we thought, this must have been what she's talking about. Awesome. I need to share something with you. God sold a home in Florida during four hurricanes more than any other home had ever sold for it. His company, Jim's company, moved us here, no Lock, expense to us. So God not only financially provided through the sale of that house far and above, but through us coming here. So we're here in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. We're plugged in. Uh, things are going well. And uh, I go on a missions trip to Guatemala in 06. And I feel God telling me, prepare to step away from your secular work and give your life completely to me. I'm like, God, um, okay. I come back from that trip. I tell Kelly. I said, I think this is what God is saying. And she's smiling because God's already told her. Can any guy relate to me that sometimes God seems to take a little longer to talk to us guys? I don't know if it's the thickness of our skull or whatever, but she Amen. already knew. Um, and, but there was something tied with that. That's right. So the gentleman that he went down to serve in the orphanage, he was at our church um, in January. So back up a little bit before that in February, uh, November of 2000. And five, I was feeling like we were supposed to have another child. We had added one more. I had three when Jim married me. And so as far as Jim was concerned, we were good. And so I'm like, I'm 39 years of old, Lord. Uh, if this is from you, I need to really hear it. And you need to make it clear. But not only do you need to make it really clear to me, you need to make it super clear to him. Okay? So in a revival service, January of 2006, right the gentleman I go to stands us up and he says, I don't normally say this to people. However, uh, you're going to have another child. It'll be a boy. He is going to be a musician and a mighty man of God. And that young man is Aaron, our 15-year-old who is joining us on this journey. That is how God works. There. And so, and I keep saying he's joining us, but he's not joining us. He is part That's of right. this journey. And so um, we go forward from there. We, we went forward, uh, reconfirmed in 07 when I went back. Through all of this, uh, I was credentialed in 2013. God led us to Painesville, uh, where I was the pastor in Painesville for seven years. And uh, at that point, in a time of, it was about, what was it, 2019, 2020? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we really felt that God was setting us up for something new. And so 2020 hits, we all know how that happened. 
Um, and that was that as was. crazy as it was, but we still had that desire. Yeah. 2021 comes and we start the year with prayer and fasting and God specifically tells Kelly and I separately because we would come together and say, what did God tell you? That we were to prepare ourselves for something he would set us apart for, but he would only tell us one step at a time. That means we would have to do whatever he said first and trust him. March of that year, God said, you're done in the pulpit. I need you to prepare yourself for something else. Step out. We'd just come out of COVID. Church was starting to come back. I was excited. And God's saying, step out. I will bring someone else in the place to rise the church up. And as hard as it was, I did. I stepped down just after Easter of that year. Um, and we just trusted God through all of it. So we uh, took some time off in the summer. We're doing our thing. Churches are telling us no. We're telling churches no, because that's, of course, where we thought we were going to be going. And in August, God says to both of us separately, sell your home. Sell your home. And we said, okay, we'll put it on the market. You say put it on the market, that's what we'll do. We were in talks with a church out west, a place that we would have absolutely loved to go, mountains and the whole nine yards. And in October, um, now listen to this. So Pastor Kyle is in Florida talking with global worker Ann, who's saying, I got to come speak at your church. God then tells us in October, tell the church no. Tell them no. So what do we do? We told, we told the church no. no. So we found ourselves with a home sold, no place to go, no church, working regular jobs. And so 2022 starts. And we're like, Lord, we love you so much. You know our hearts for you. You know our hearts for people. We don't get this. We don't understand. But we trust you. And Amen. we will not move until you say move. That's right. And so February, we start watching some documentaries about different countries and people groups, because that's how God works through TV programs. And then, <laughs> and then, um, and he works through anything, trust me. And so, and then um, the March Ukraine 6th. war. Yeah. Oh, Ukraine. Ukraine. Yeah. And yeah. just this flooding feeling and heartache of how many people, both Ukrainian and Russian, may have died without knowing Christ. Just like, man, it was so hot, uh, heavy on us. But March 6th comes. And global worker, Anna's here. She's sharing her story. And we're sitting over there. And the Holy Spirit just whoosh, in a way that I can't, you can't even describe it. And we knew when she was done, because our hearts were broken for those unreached people in Central Eurasia, that we were then called to go love a people we had never met ever. and live in a place that we have never, ever been. And see, a couple things about that as we get ready to wrap up, and I'll get into the word here, is in Central Eurasia, there are over 700 unreached people groups in a nine-country area. 700 peop unreached people. Unreached means that less than 2% of them have ever heard anything about the gospel or Jesus Christ. The country specifically in which we're called to, which we'd love to talk to you afterwards about, the country where we're going to, has less than two one-thousandths of one percent who know Jesus. Yeah, no access. 80 million people, less than 10,000 believers in the whole country. And God has called us over there because, see, we've received access to such a gift through salvation in Jesus Christ, and they haven't had it yet. And our command is to go 
Our command is to do something with what we've been given. In Acts 13, 47, it says, the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. And how do we do that, though? You know, the truth is, is that we are all called to fulfill the Great Commission, which is to share the gospel throughout all the nations. And the Lord is not going to return until all the nations have heard, because it does say in Revelation 7, 9, that every, that every tongue, tribe, nations, and people will be around the throne of God. And so we've got a lot of work to do and not a lot of time to do it in. And so for us, that takes, we need prayer partners because it's Absolutely. a very dark place. We need financial partners, and maybe, just maybe, during this service, the time that Jim is preaching, God is saying to you, I want you to go. So thanks so much. It's all his now. All right. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. Amen. Hallelujah. Who's ready to get into the word this morning? Amen. If you are, if you would, stand with me. Let's go to God in prayer this morning and ask his blessing over what he has given me to share with you this morning. Amen. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your presence in our lives, for the worship, God, that we have had to bless you with song and prayer. And Father, now as we go into your holy word, I pray that you would anoint my lips to speak what you have for your people here today. Open our hearts up to receive from your word that we may not only just be encouraged, God, but we may be challenged within our very spirits to do what you have called us to do. Whether we're here in Sauk Center or we are outside of this country, God, use us to fulfill the great commission. And I thank you for this, this morning, God, and these people here. Hallelujah. May your word go forward with power through your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we all said, amen. You may be seated. I was so humbled when Pastor Kyle asked if I would bring the message to you this morning and at the same time so excited because like him, I love God's word and I love speaking and preaching God's word and bringing it to his people. As, as you heard, Kelly and I have been committed 100% to God since 2001. I had known God earlier in my life. As a child, I accepted him as a, at a camp, but I had fallen away from God after college because I was still living underneath my, my parents' faith. I had never made Jesus my own. And that time in 2001, when I gave my heart to Christ, and I say not rededicated, I gave my heart to Christ in 2001, and that's when Jesus became real to me. That's when my faith became my own, and I took ownership of it. And that's what I pray each of you today, as you're hearing us, you'll realize your faith in God is your own. It's not someone else's. It is yours to do with what you will with God. My message this morning, how much do you want? You'll get the, you'll get the reason for that. Later, about halfway through the sermon, it'll click. But how much do you want? That choice is yours, my friends. Um, so that's a freebie. We'll get into this now. Um, through the years, Kelly and I, even though we've been committed to God, we've had our ups and downs. We've had our good times and our bad times. We have always trusted God, 
even in the tough times, that he would bring us through. And that belief hasn't changed in 21 years at all. At the beginning of this year, we told God again, here we are, use us in any way you can, anywhere you can. Friends, let me tell you, that's a dangerous prayer with God. Because anywhere I thought would be within the confines of the east to west coast of the United States of America. I had no idea. In January, Kelly and I looked at each other after prayer and said, do you think God's calling us out of the country? No, nope, not happening. God had to be up there just chuckling, going, oh, you have no idea, my friends. You have no idea. Um, you know, uh, because when you're truly following after God in his heart, any action he takes or asks you to do, you'll do it knowing his plans are perfect when you're all in with him, right? But that's the hard part about it because in the, word, the world's eyes, what God may ask you to do is not going to make sense. So you have to understand that it's okay for it not to make sense to people around you that may not know God like you know him. Jesus said in John 17 that his disciples were not of the world any more than he was. And what that means is when we do something for God, more than likely the world is not going to understand why we would do such a thing. So don't try and explain it, friends. Just do it. Just go out and do it. And this morning, I know that any one of you may have listened to what Kelly and I have shared so far and thought, your story is great, but I could never do that. To which I ask you the question this morning, why? Why do you think you could never do what we are doing? See, if you've ever seen the power of God work in your life on any level, and I'm gonna ask a question, how many have seen the power of God work? Okay, you see these hands? Every time you see the power of God work, you build upon it. Kelly and I didn't just get to this place. We built upon it. We saw God work and we stepped on that. We saw God do this and we stepped on that. And each level helped us build our trust and our faith in the Father. See, God will guide and direct your steps, his word says, be it to share his good news of salvation with somebody, to give in a faith promise to kingdom builders or a missionary, or even as I say, quit your job, sell everything you have and follow the call of Jesus. When God calls you to do something like that, he will equip you, he will provide the way for you to do it and for it to happen, but it's your choice on whether or not to act on it. Here's a couple examples within the Bible of people who did things that were absolutely crazy. They listened to God and they did things that the world would have said, no way, that can't be done. This comes from a recent devotion that Kelly and I went through from pastor and author Paul Tripp. Noah did not have the power to get those animals on the ark after he built it, but yet God provided what was necessary for it to happen. Moses did not have what it takes to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. The man st 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 stuttered, but yet the Lord empowered him to lead them to the promised land. David had no power to take out Goliath, but the Lord gave him courage and strength in the valley of Elah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had no ability 
to keep themselves from being burned alive in the fiery furnace, but the Lord preserved their lives. New Testament, the disciples had no way of feeding the hungry crowd, but yet Jesus took a boy's lunch and fed 5,000. And then in Mark, he feeds another 4,000 again. Twice that happened. The disciples didn't do it. The Lord did. The apostles, after they were disciples, after Jesus left, they were called apostles. The apostles had no ability to take Jesus Christ to the known world, but God gifted them with his Holy Spirit and provided for them so that they could do it. Do you see a common theme here? All through scriptures, there are a great many passages that show the power and presence of God leading people to do what we would call great things. They only had to listen. They had to obey and follow what God said do, no matter how crazy it sounded. Now this morning, if you've got your Bibles, your phone, your physical Bible, I want to explore one passage of scripture with you this morning that points to a lesson of obedience and faith that had great results. It's found in the Old Testament, the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, and we'll be in chapter 4 momentarily. 2 Kings, about middle of the Old Testament there. Chapter 4, and the story of faith laid out in these verses that we will read could easily happen to any one of us sitting here today listening. So as we read this, think about these verses and what would it be like if you were told to do what the lady in this story was told to do? Would you be able to do it, okay? Everyone in 2 Kings 4? Okay, let's read this together. We're gonna read verses one through seven. And the scripture says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha. Now, Elisha was the mentor of Elijah. I'm gonna pause there. He was the man of God, the prophet in Israel who brought God's words of encouragement and God's judgment for 60 years He was the spiritual head of Israel during this time. So this woman comes up. She cries out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around, ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Verse five, she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. A miracle. In these verses, we see that a prophet of God has just died and left behind enough debt that his widow was going to have to give her two sons over to become slaves, meaning temporary servants of someone until the debt was paid, which first would break up the family and second, leave her with no one to provide for her as a widow while they were gone. So she goes to Elisha 
And this husband must have been known to him because she was able to go directly to the prophet of God and speak to him. And as Elijah hears her plea, he says, what can I do? What do you have that still might be worth something? And she says, your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. It's interesting that the word used for jar here is not one we might think of like the big gallon jugs of stuff we have for our fryers and everything. It literally, the word there means a small jar or container of oil. Not even full. That's all she had in the house. And Elisha tells her to go to her friends and borrow as many empty containers as she could. And this would no doubt bring about questions from her neighbors as to what do you need them all for? But she couldn't say anything. She was just supposed to get them. And then they were gonna go into the house, shut the door behind them, and start pouring out oil. Now, Elisha did not say what would happen. He didn't say how it would happen. He simply gave instructions and expected the woman to obey them, which she did. Think about that. Could you have done that? You're in a moment of grief where you have lost your soulmate. You're about to lose your sons. You will have nothing. And the man of God says, go around to all your neighbors and borrow every jug, every container, anything that will hold liquid and bring them into your house and shut the door and prepare. Could you do that? As we move forward, we see that this test of faith she was successful in. She goes, she borrows, she takes them into the house, shuts the door. And before she starts to pour the oil from this little jar into all these vessels, God was already working the miracle. But first she had to shut the door. Why? Now, as I studied this passage, I am like Pastor Kyle. I will get hung up studying passages and just dive in so deep that I forget to come up for air once in a while. But I'll simplify it for you this morning. All the commentaries that I was reading and studying, the Greek, about this word, I believe with them that she shut the door, number one, to prevent interruptions from anyone while the miracle was unfolding. Because how would it have looked had someone come to the door and seen them pouring into all these extra things, oil out of this, and it never seems to run out? It would have been distracting, and they might have been boastful about it. So shut the door so no one can see. Second, it would give them opportunity to praise God first after the miracle happened before sharing it with others. The scriptures show that the woman didn't question. She did what he said. Picking back up with verse five, it says she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Mm, key phrase there in verse six. When there wasn't any vessels left, the oil stopped flowing. The miracle oil was given according to the measure of her previous faith in borrowing vessels. She borrowed enough so the excess oil was able to be sold, the debt paid in full, 
and had left over to provide for her sons and her to live into the future. So as we've seen, this passage speaks of the provision of God when we are obedient. But I'd like to offer you another perspective this morning. And that is this. It's not just trusting that God will provide. How much of God do you want to have in your life? Thereby the title of the sermon, How Much Do You Want? Because this passage is a direct example of God pouring himself into us as little or as much as we will allow. See, Charles Spurgeon said of these verses, if she had borrowed few vessels, she would have had but little oil. If she borrowed many vessels, all would have been filled and she would have had much. She was herself to measure out what she should have. And I believe that you and I, in the manner of spiritual blessings from God, Spurgeon says, have more to do with the measurement of our mercies than we think. We make our blessings little because our prayers to God are little. How much do you want? Do you think the widow and her sons knew how much oil was going to come out? I don't. But as it was, God provided for her. And see, there was a prophecy given in the book of Joel, chapter 2, that talks about God pouring himself out like the oil the widow poured out. In Joel 2, 28 and 9, it says, Afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This was a prophecy given to Israel, except it was beyond them. See, in verse 28, it says, the spirit of God would be poured out on all. Say that with me. All. What does all mean? All. Everyone. You and me not just Israel, but all of us, God would pour out his spirit upon us in the future. John 3.16 says Jesus came and gave his life for all mankind. And if that promise was for us, then that means this promise is for us as well. Hallelujah for that. That God would be thinking 2,000 years ahead for us here today that we could be filled with his very presence. I'm going to ask the music team to come up uh, at this time as I start to, to wrap up here. This prophecy fulfilled in Acts 2 was the giving of the Holy Spirit. God has said, I want you to receive all of me. I want you to take all of it. And I don't know about you when I approach God, but a little jar isn't going to cut it. I want all of God I can get. And if that means I have to have a bucket or a trash can, I want to hold it up and say, God, fill it. Fill it to overflowing so that I can throw it on, splash it and splash it on people around me. The choice is ours this morning on whether or not we will allow God to truly fill us. Jesus died so that we can get rid of the bottle and the jar and be filled with the biggest container, which is our lives to overflowing. Kelly and I didn't see what God was doing for us, and I'm gonna ask her to come up, and I'll, I'll share my mic too if she wants, or she's got it. Um, five months ago, we didn't know what God was gonna do, but we were filled and ready, and, and when God said go, we said let's go God. The country we're going to, with 80 million people, 
has 68 different people groups, unique, 68. 45 of them have never heard Jesus. Only two dozen of 68 groups of people have ever heard about Jesus. And God is calling us to go. With all the resources we have, the sobering truth is this. As you heard back in March, when Pastor Justin Mack came and shared, 97% of the monies given to missions never gets to the unreached people groups. It either stays in America or it gets just over the border. Less than 3% goes to reach those who have never heard of Jesus. And God has called us to go. And there is a, a, a specific word uh, or a, a, it's a poem or a phrase that is in one of the books we read that I'd like Kelly to share because it sums up how we feel about this call of God. Before I share it, if you want to be filled with more of God, you have access to it. You have access to it in your Bible, on your phone. Every single Sunday, you have access to it here. Pastor Kyle does an amazing job of bringing that to you. You get the choice of whether you want it or not. They do not have a choice. They hope to work and do enough good work to outdo the bad work, and they still don't know. They don't even have access. This is by Keith John Faulkner, and it describes the way that both Jim and I feel. I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than a land flooded with light. That is our heart's desire. To live dead simply means that we give it all to Jesus, our desires, all that we have, our lives, because He gave it all to us. See. We can and will never give up more than he already gave. That's right. So we ask you to join with us in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. To pray for us. Yes. In this dark land that our candle will burn brightly for God. The Apostle Paul said that in one of his letters in the New Testament. Pray that I may have the strength to continue to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Second, we need a church like Antioch that sent Paul out. Which you guys, you which guys, you guys are. are. Through the Kingdom church Builders, is you guys are helping us. us to go. That's Pastor Kyle's heart to take the gospel, not just here, but everywhere around this world. But lastly, there might be one or more people here today that will link arms with Kelly and I and say, I want to go. I want to go. God has been laying it on our heart, on my heart too, like yours. We want to talk to you after the service. Please come see us. But before Pastor Kyle comes, would you stand? Because we want to pray over you, God's family, our family here in Sauk, that God will have his way and move among you yeah. to share. Pastor Kyle, we just want to say with a heartfelt thanks and deep appreciation to you, Pastor Corey and the staff, thank you so much Amen. for partnering with us and being the pastors that you are and loving these people the way that you do. You guys are very Hallelujah. gift, have a great gift here. I just want you to know that. 
Amen. Lord, we thank you so Let's very pray. much. Our Father God, I thank yes. you so much for this time where we have been able to be in your presence. Father, I thank you for this church body that is a giving church body. Yes. Father, they are entwined with the Great Commission. They are like the church in Antioch that is sending out support so that your word will go forward. God, in the whole area of Central Eurasia, we've had a part as a body of Christ here in Sauk Center to absolutely influence those countries for yes. you. Yes. And I pray that the hearts of your people here would continue to stay open because it's not about money, it's not about funding. It's about God, you reaching yes. the lives of the lost Lord, so that they Lord. will not end up in eternity separated from you. Yes. But we will all be around the throne as one nation, one tribe, one people, one tongue, singing praise to you, our God. Hallelujah. For worthy is the lamb. Hallelujah. This morning, God, we thank you. Yes. We praise you and we honor you. Name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Pastor God. Yes. May the Lord keep you and bless you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Come on, put your hands together for these guys. Uh, in a moment, we're just going to sing together just a time of reflection and prayer here before we go, but uh, I'm so challenged by the radical obedience of people right here with us uh, who, you know, you, you just heard a glimpse of some of their story. They are, in following God's leading, they are have sold their house here. They will, for the most part, fit everything that they have in a bunch of storage tubs and send it over to where they're going. Uh, selling most of their stuff uh, just to be obedient to what God is calling them to do. And we applaud them for their radical obedience, but the call for every single one of us is radical obedience. And when, when they were sharing at the beginning about this idea of just saying, God, I will do whatever you ask, wherever you want me to go, whatever that is. And let that be just a challenge to you. That is not something that extreme crazy Christians only should pray. This should, this should be what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, to pray crazy prayers and to be open to whatever God would have. We never want to go through a service like this without giving somebody an opportunity to really respond to the message of Jesus for the very first time. And you heard, you heard their story, uh, broken people from broken situations, and their story uh, is many of the stories of us here today. In fact, every one of us, the Bible says, is broken. and has fallen short of what God has intended for us. It's why he sent Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you have never responded to this message of Jesus, uh, a message of grace and forgiveness and love. And the scripture says, if you will put your trust in him and what he has done, then you will be saved. That's the words the Bible uses. You will be saved. And 
You'll be forgiven. You'll be set free from all of that. We sang about that today. And with no one looking around, every eye closed in this place, just a moment of privacy and reflection before we're done. Uh, who here in this place would just simply say, I've never, I've never responded to this message of Jesus. And, and I want to do that today. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. Anyone in this place that would just say, yes, that's me. Maybe you're watching this. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Maybe you're watching this behind a screen right now. You can respond to this as well. You can respond. Anyone else that would just say, yes, this is my moment to respond to the message of Jesus today. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Everyone in this place, let's just pray this together. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, will you put your hands together just for this moment, for this day?